We've been exploring this journey of discipleship together this summer as we've been exploring Matthew's gospel. We're turning this week to Matthew 13 as he continues teaching, preaching, healing. Not only speaking about God's kingdom, but revealing it. So today we turn to Matthew's gospel, we'll begin at verse 1, we go to 1 to 9, and then we'll jump to verse 18. The text in the middle is his explanation of why um, he tells parables. I invite you to go and read that, uh, read that whole chapter actually uh, later on, because there's much, much uh, richness there as well. So beginning at verse 1, we read, that same day Jesus went out of the house. He's been on a roll. Jesus has been on a roll, teaching, preaching, healing, um, doing a lot of things, all of chapter 12. Um, it's a very long chapter. You can go and read that one too because we went through 13, 11 last week, but we jumped over chapter 12 to get to 13 um, as we continue exploring what it means to be a disciple on the journey with Jesus. We'll go back to the very beginning of verse 1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds, seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky road where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but, cares, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word out, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. The word of God. For the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Both my parents grew up in rural Bath County. It's a western part of Virginia. It's almost West Virginia. And both of, both of them grew up with gardens. And it wasn't just the pretty garden you had in your yard. It was a garden because they wanted to have vegetables. <laughs> and that was kind of how they got them. Um, uh, my dad's family had enough land that they provided for others around them uh, as well. 
So we have this gardening kind of thing in our family, and my folks tended to have a garden. These days, they just garden flowers. That's about all. Well, mom does have a square foot garden in the back with a couple tomato plants. She will always grow tomato plants, I think. So I have that bug in me, and when uh, Lori, my wife Lori and I uh, were in seminary, I was in seminary, we were been married about a year, we had the opportunity to move into a house in a neighborhood that had some land, a little bit of land to it, and the senior pastor I was working with had a rototiller. So I tilled up a good portion of, of, the, of the side of the yard and planted a garden. We were so excited, so excited. The earth was brown, the soil was soft, it was perfect. It had been a part of a neighborhood that had, hadn't seen a lot of development, so it was just really good dirt right there. So we planted a whole bunch of things, planted tomatoes, planted cucumbers. I probably planted watermelon too because I liked it. I didn't realize how big the plants got and how few watermelons you got off of them. And I thought I'd grow corn. I don't love corn on the cob. I'm just, I don't know, it's just a thing. I eat most, I'll, I will eat it, but I don't love it, but I like to watch it grow. So we planted some corn. And boy, we got excited when the corn started to get ready. One morning we go out, the back row of the corn, gone. Some critter in the neighborhood had come through and taken out every ear of corn. It wasn't good enough to pick yet. So we had left it. So the next night, they had a plan. They were systematically wiping out our corn. They did it three nights in a row. We, the last night, we were like, we are picking this corn about. Half of it had full ears, and the rest of it was a shriveled up thing, but we didn't care. We were going to eat some of our corn. You never know when you're gardening what's going to come along and mess with your crop. And, of course, we had no idea what we were doing anyway. I only watched people garden. I never did it myself. So I had a lot to learn. But the people of Jesus' day knew gardening. They lived in an agrarian society. Even if they weren't themselves growing wheat or harvesting or or part of it, they still had, they would tend to small plots around their homes or, or they were close enough to the fields to see things happening. Jesus uses agricultural imagery all the time. These are things that the people knew and understood. This was not a stretch for them to delve into and say, ah, I get it. I understand what he's talking about there. Sometimes we have to dig a little deeper, but I think today's parable is pretty straightforward, even for those of us who still have a lot to learn when it comes to raising a garden. I'm pretty good with tomatoes, but the rest of it, I don't know. <clears throat> so as we look at today's story, Jesus has been on this roll. He's gathered all of his disciples. He has sent them out on a test run. That happened in in chapter 10. He's training them. He's teaching them. Now he, last, last chapter, he's doing the ministry. He is teaching them by example as well as building a crowd. So much so that he ends up on a boat in the sea or really the lake of Galilee so that he gets a little bit of a distance away from the folks so that he can talk to the crowd. It also makes a little bit of an amphitheater. He's down here. The crowd's up there. It's really actually good for sound quality. If you've ever been on a boat, you can hear people whispering a hundred yards away because of the way the sound carries. Jesus is using that to his advantage to speak to this crowd. 
And the disciples kind of think he's wasted the moment because after he tells the parable, he, they go into, so why do you tell stories like this? And that's what that middle section is that we, that we didn't go over today. But Jesus gives them a reason. And he said they're not ready to hear it. Those who are ready to hear it will understand it. But I'll tell you because I know you want to understand. I want to know you want to understand more deeply. Let's just make sure we're on the same page. So this is one of the occasions where Jesus tells the parable and then he gives an explanation for it. Just to make sure we understand what he's talking about. So we get this imagery of a sower, some seeds, and some soil. And it shows us what it looks like to be garden disciples. One of the aspects of our journey of discipleship. As we look at the sower, we see God. We see a generous gardener who is just casting seeds wherever they may fall. God is a generous God, loves indiscriminately, scattering his grace given freely to all, although it doesn't always grow to fruition. God's love and generosity are great as we look on the sower casting those seeds, taking those seeds as being more than just simply something that grows, but God's grace that grows within. And then we move to the seeds. Some people talk about the seeds as being the word of God. And it is that, but it's not exclusively that. Jesus hasn't talked about the word of God to that extent as as something you, you teach, that's kind of looking back on what Jesus is doing it's as the word of God, his teaching, looking backwards. I, I tend to put all these things in the category of God's grace. God's grace is freely sown and available to all. We all live in the experience of God's grace, whether we recognize him or not and accept it or not. It's there. We're living in it. It's like being in an ocean and not really paying attention to it, but you're, you're going to get wet. At some point or another, whether you like it or not, God's grace is freely sown. So these seeds are cast out, and every seed has power and potential to transform us by God's grace into the ones that God is calling us and has created us to be. But there's more to the seed than simply it arriving. It has to be tended to, so then we get to the soil. There's one sower, there's, there's the seed, but there seems to be different types of soil involved. And in most references, there's agreement on the soil is the human heart. Our ability to recognize God's grace and welcome him in to be a part of our being. And indeed, God's grace, God, the seeds are offered to all and cast upon every type of soil. But there are only certain, or one type of soil, that where the seed grows to fullness, to the extent that it produces fruit. We have the seed that falls on the path, the path as the hardened heart. A pathway in a garden, for the most part, is not Something that's laid out and planned, it just happens to be the parts where the gardener walks all the time. And the pressure of the walking just makes it not good soil. Weeds will still grow in it, I've found, 
but usually not the thing that you've planted near it. And when the seeds fall on that, they do not grow, just like our hearts, when they're hardened. And what's a hardened heart? A hardened heart is, is something, one, for me, it's a, somebody who's not teachable anymore. I, 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 I don't mean to learn anything new. I got it. You start to get hard around the edges, and, 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 you, and you're resistant to anything new, or resistant to anything from God's Word. It's also being cynical. We believe in a God of blessings uh, who's active and present in the world. You might, you, you could see the world on the half empty side, but not the half empty side and somebody's out to get me. That's cynical. So having a heart that's receptive and open and teachable. The rocky ground, shallow heart, a shallow faith. The shallow experience of God. You read in the text that it's the, the seed sprout up in a hurry. And you've seen that. Have you seen um, people grow sprouts? You can grow sprouts in your kitchen. You lay out a wet paper towel. You put the, I, can't, I forget what plant it is, but I think it's barley or something. But you, no, I don't know. Something nasty. No, it's not nasty. It's really good. And you put it in a wet cloth, and it'll just grow up. But if you, don't, if you don't collect them and put them on your salad um, before too long, they're just going to wither and die because they don't, their roots don't have anywhere to go. Nothing to grow in. You may have had an experience of somebody who came to faith really fast and they took off and they're like, whoo! Some of the most dynamic Christians you'll ever meet are brand new Christians. I love brand new Christians. They're so excited about their faith. And you see it in everything that they do. But if a brand new Christian comes to faith and they're not continuing to be um, taught and discipled and shaped in community and they just go out on their own like, whoop, I got enough. They kind of fall apart. Not all the time. This is not 100%, but it tends to be. Some of the hardest people to reach, in my experience, is somebody who's gone to revi- a revival or some kind of a Christian event, and they said yes at the end of it. And they were excited about it when they said yes. And then they got, went home, and they had nowhere to grow in faith. For a little bit, they were on fire, but they had no depth. So they burned out. But that can happen even in, in, when you're connected to a church. We don't take advantage of all the Opportunities to grow in our faith, to learn to grow, to seek depth as we grow in Christ. The third type of soil is the thorny soil. I wrote the distracted heart, but it's more than just simply being distracted. It's all the pressures of the world taking precedence over the kingdom of God. Not that we ignore the things that are going on around us. We don't do that. They're part of our life. It means that we, they're part of our journey. It's just how we prioritize them. Do they take front seat and the gospel takes second or third seat? That's thorny faith. And eventually, the thorns, the, third, the second tier, the third tier thing becomes the dominant thing. And it's no longer about the good news, about God's kingdom, or about Jesus. And then last, there's this good soil. This good soil that's tended. 
If you've ever planted and rich, dark soil, you're, it's, it's not something we find. I grew up in Northern Virginia. I grew up in Dale City. It's all red fill dirt. It's nasty. My dad brought in all kinds of stuff to grow the little garden we had in Dale City just to make it grow. Sometimes we have to do that in our faith. We have to bring in other stuff. But we always have to feed it. For our hearts to be tended and nurtured and to be receptive to God's word growing, we have to be a part of a community of faith, whether you're present in the, in the room or joining somebody virtually. And it's not just one thing. and It's not an a la carte of things. It's all the things. It's all the, I, I call it the preacher's list. It's, it's worship. It's studying God's word. It's being in fellowship and community together. It's serving on behalf of God's kingdom. Whether it's inside the church or outside the church, actually it's an and, it's a both. Because we can't do church without it being both. All of those things help to continuously tend the soil of our hearts so that our faith may indeed grow and become fruitful. That's the goal. It's a fruitful faith. Whether it's 100-fold, 60-fold, 30-fold. Jesus, gives, Jesus is diminishing. He's like, you can start here. But understand that you might only get to here, and that's all right. That's all right. Our well-tended garden in Dale City was on the low side of yield, but it was still producing fruit. But as Jesus lays out the explanation for this soil, it is soil that hears and accepts and then produces. It receives it reflects, it relays. Because I also think it's important to see the, the church embodying the whole garden. And as we have our vision statement, receive Christ, reflect Christ, relay Christ, I think this connects to the story so well. The sower is the one who relays Christ to us and through us to others. So we as the church are, not only are we on the receiving end, but we are on the relaying end. Whether it's as we come together in worship or study or fellowship or uh, vacation Bible school or what other things we might have to do, green groceries. All of these different things are us relaying Christ. And we as the church are meant to embody the sower who relays. We're, we don't take the place of the sower, we're, just pass, we're a conduit passing along. But we are the main means by which God sows seeds of faith in the world. Spreading the message inside the church and outside the church. Soil as receiving. The church is the main place where we give tools. We're meant to be the ones who provide the tools for tending our faith, for worship and teaching and, and reading scripture and prayer and gathering and all those different things that help us to grow in our faith. The church is meant to be that as well. And not only are, are, is our responsibility to help provide a means to till up the soil, but also to help remove the obstacles, the hardened hearts of the pathways, to fighting against cynicism, to making um, approachable learning and um, re um, relevant teaching available to all 
rocky soil, the shallow pit, to challenging us to grow, continuously to grow, not to just settle for where we are, but to grow in our faith and enter into intentional faith development. And thorny vines are choked minds. If we don't focus on the main things, those secondary and tertiary things take priority. And we forget the Christ part of each of these. And then the seed. The church as the seed reflects that one. We reflect the fruit of our faith and acts of service outside the church, but also inside the church. And our daily lives are meant to reflect the good news of Jesus Christ. I was ordained by Bishop uh, Pennell. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've lost his first name all of a sudden. Um, several years ago now, and I can remember his ordination sermon. Bishop Pennell was not a tall man, but he had a very big presence. And I can remember him. We were down, there's probably another 10 feet of height from here to where we were sitting. And he, we were all, all the ordinands were sitting here, and he leaned over the pulpit. He was not very big. <laughs> Don't walk around like a bunch of droopy dorks. This is good news that we're meant to share. It should be evident. Our faith should be evident and reflected in everything that we are. doesn't mean we're always happy. doesn't mean that things aren't bad and we don't experience sadness and heartache and pain as a result of it, but it doesn't dominate our lives. This parable of Jesus was so important that he felt the need to explain, to make sure the disciples were on board and understood that this life of following him, God's grace is available to all, but doesn't always grow. It doesn't always produce fruit. But I'm sending you out into the world as gardeners to tend hearts and souls as they have received God's grace to help them to grow in faith. That's his message to us for ourselves and as a part of a community of faith together. We're called to be that together, that sower, the people who make, make sure the seeds are also scattered and, and helping to tend the soil. May we take up God's call on our lives to be gardening disciples. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we indeed thank you for the gift of your grace that is indeed available to all. You don't pick or choose. You love us as your own. Help us to be those who tend the soil of others. Help us to tend to our own soil that we continuously are nurtured in faith and where we fall short to seek out the help of others to be a part of a community of faith that helps us to grow, to deepen our roots, to broaden our faith. We ask this all in the name of your Son. Amen.